We're starting a new series today. What in the world happened? And you know, this time of year, it's very easy to get caught up in the consumerism and shopping and going to this party and having to do this thing. And, and listen, it's, it's only December 5th. And anyone else tired already from Christmas season? Like, good Lord, we're just now getting into it. I mean, it took us an hour to get through the announcements, right? Because there's so much stuff and it's all good things, but it fills up our calendar. We even told our staff, you know, Jesse and I were trying to look when we can plan a staff Christmas party. It's like, when? And we were, we were tired just thinking about having to go to another one. So you know what we're going to do? This was her idea. She'll make sure I say that. Um, no. Um, she said, let's do a Christmas in July party. I was like, preach, sister. Let's do that. So that's how we're celebrating Christmas as a staff. We're doing it in July. We actually want to hang out together, right? Um, but there's, there's just so much stuff going on. And with all that, and with the fact that the story of Jesus' birth can become familiar, and I, dare I say even redundant at times, that we lose that awe of what really happened. What in the world happened when Jesus was born? And what I want to do in these next few weeks leading up to our Christmas Eve service is take some time to regain the awe and the wonder of Jesus, y'all, Jesus, the Son of God, leaving heaven and coming down and taking on a fleshly body for us, all for the purpose of dying. Like, not so he could have a really good time and get to know us a little better and then go back home, but no, so to leave heaven, to become human, all for the purpose of dying the most brutal death possible. What in the world happened on that night? Everything changed. Everything changed. And so as we continuing these three weeks, my prayer, my hope is that we would regain a sense of awe. For those of us that have been following Jesus for a long time, and you can say the Charlie Brown Christmas, you know, word for word and all those things, I believe there is still wonder to be had in the story of Jesus's birth. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look in Luke chapter one, Starting in verse 26. If you have your Bible, you can turn there with me this morning. And it says this in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Okay, so, so here's what is happening in this moment. And here's why we know it is important. Because it says very clearly that God sent Gabriel, all right? God didn't send some courier or the intern angel whose job is to get everyone else coffee, right? Who's just like new on the job and trips over his own feet. And I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. Like he didn't send that angel, right? The one that everyone kind of makes fun of. He sent Gabriel. Angels don't make fun of each other. Sorry. That's, that's not scriptural. But he sends Gabriel. He sends the captain, the, the quarterback of the football team, right? The one that when he walks down the hallway at school, everyone goes to the side and goes, that's Gabriel, that's Gabriel, right? Where's the letterman jacket? Tough guy, Gabriel. Just like me when I was in high school, right? <laughs> you know, not everything I say is a joke. <sighs> I do have feelings. <sighs> Oh, man, that was rich. (laughs) 
Sorry, we got to laugh a little. You can't cry before the sermon, right? It's like, good Lord, Kyle, you're killing me. Uh, <laughs> he sends Gabriel. He sends Gabriel because what he's saying is like, look, this is a big deal. I got to send my big guns. I'm not sending Iceman. I'm sending Maverick, okay? I'm sending the man. I'm sending, I'm sending, you know, what's awesome about Gabriel, the story before this, he is going and he's telling uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth about John the Baptist being born, right? And he's in the temple and he's talking to Zechariah. Zechariah's a priest. You can read it. It's right before this story in Luke. And, And Zechariah doubts him. Zechariah doubts him. And you know what Gabriel's response is to Zechariah? He says, I am Gabriel. Right? That is his response to Zechariah doubting the word of God. In other words, God's not going to send me to tell you some lie, bro. All right? He's not going to send me to tell you something that's not going to come true. I am Gabriel. And I want to say this this morning, before we get started and go any further. When the enemy tries to come in and cause doubt in our lives, rather than try and argue theology or this or that and the other, you know what we need to say? I am a son of God. All right? I am a daughter of the Most High God. And just tell the enemy who we are instead of trying to fight him all day long. Because we are the children of the Most High God. That's what God does. That's what Gabriel does. And that's what we should do as well. And save ourselves a lot of time, y'all. Okay. So he sends Gabriel, and he says he takes him to a town, Nazareth, in a village in Galilee. And this is what Nazareth is like. It says, though Nazareth is in the general region of Galilee, it is 15 miles away from the Sea of Galilee. It is six miles from the closest major road. Nazareth had no good water supply, only one fairly weak well in the center of the village. Not exactly a place that is filled with glitz and glamour, right? And here's what's so incredible about Jesus, y'all. There's this juxtaposition of who Jesus is from the very onset, really, truly, before he's even born. And we see that right here. And what, what it is, is there's this combination, this equalness of power and humility. He's, God sends Gabriel, but he sends him to Nazareth, right? And that is what Jesus is. It's what makes Jesus Jesus. He is filled with this power of God, which we're going to see even more of in just a minute. But there's also this, this trueness of humility, this trueness to serve and to be that sacrifice for us. And, you know, that's the model as believers that we are supposed to have. But usually we get it off balance. We go after the power and we lose humility. We get prideful. Or we follow that road of humility and we surrender the power. So oh, I'm just so humble. I'm just so I'm just so and, and, and we, don't, we, don't, we don't grasp the power of God. Or we walk in that power, which we end up losing because we become so absorbed with this power, we lose the humility. Jesus was both. And we see that right here in how God sends Gabriel, but he sends him to Nazareth, this small little town with hardly any even running water. The story continues in verse 28. Gabriel appeared to her, to Mary, and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. I love Mary's reaction here. First, she's confused. And and this is this humility moment for her. Like, what? What would? Highly favored for me? I'm, 
I'm just this young girl in Nazareth. What would, why would God want anything with me? It's, she's taken aback by it. And then the Bible says that she's disturbed. And this I can really relate to, okay? Because I would love to say that there's been times in my life where people have come up to me and said, I have a word from the Lord for you, right? And I would love it that if in those moments, my response is, oh, do tell. Like, I can't wait to hear what you have to say to me, right? I was hoping someone was going to come up and say that to me. That's really not my response if I'm being honest. Usually I'm like, okay, this is either going to be totally like off the wall weird, or it's going to be right and I'm going to have to do something. Right? Like, oh, great. What is, you know, what is it now? It's never just the word of the Lord is this. Don't change. Right? Just keep doing exactly what you're doing. Right? The amount of time you spend praying, it's, you know, it's, it's great. Right? It's never like that. It's always more. God wants more. Praise God, though, that he wants more. And so when Mary hears this, the Lord is with you, she is confused and she is disturbed. Very human response. And this is what Gabriel says to her in response to her response. Verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her. Mm. And he's like, he's saying, look, before we go any further, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what I'm about to say, because what I'm about to say is big. What I'm about to tell you is massive. So don't be afraid. And isn't it just like us? When God calls us to something, to allow fear to just creep, just wedge his way in, right in there, right? Right off the bat. Not expectation, not excitement. Fear is typically what happens when God is calling us to something more in our lives. How am I going to do it? What's it going to look like? What does it mean for my finances? What does it mean for my family? What does it mean this and that? And fear starts to come in, and Gabriel, right off the bat, tells Mary... Don't be afraid. Okay, are you ready, Mary? Don't be afraid. Here we go. Verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. This is, yeah, amen. This is what the angel is telling Mary in this moment. You think that's a lot? His kingdom will never end. He's the son of the most high God. Like this is, but what I want to focus on, and this is what stuck out to me reading this, you know, we, many of us have heard these verses a lot, but this is what stuck out to me. It was verse 32. He will be very great. And here's what that reminded me of. If we go all the way back to the very beginning in Genesis, when God is starting all of this, and he's creating the stars in the sky and the universe and the mountains and the canyons and the seas. And if, you know, as, as you travel this world and you see different parts of the world, you are amazed, right, at God's creation. You know what he calls creation in the beginning in Genesis? He calls it good. And at the best, he calls it, in the end, very good. When he gets to Jesus and he's talking about Jesus being created, he doesn't use the word good, y'all. He doesn't say very good. He says Jesus will be very great. In other words, what you have seen, you've seen my craftsmanship, you've seen all that I can create, it's nothing compared to what you're going to see. It's nothing compared to what is about to happen in this world. God is going to become human. 
and he's going to blow you away. And you might see a mountain range, and you might see a sea or an ocean or whatever it might be in your lifetime. And it might be awesome in those moments. You might tell stories and take pictures, but God is conceiving something where his kingdom will never end. He will be very great to the point that we are still talking about it today. Hallelujah. It takes on a whole new meaning there. Verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. I want want to read this to you all. Because it's very important, as, as we go back to verse 35, it says, The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the terminology here is likened to when Moses and the Israelites were at Mount Sinai. And the power of God came on. I'm going to read what that was like and compare it to what is happening here in Luke chapter 1. If you, you can turn there, it's not in your notes, I apologize for that, but it's Exodus chapter 19. Starting in verse 16, it says, On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning. And with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, to the, uh, spoke, and the voice of God answered him. So we see here in Exodus chapter 19, God coming down on this mountain, and it says that the mountain shook like an earthquake. This was God overshadowing a mountain. And this is what Gabriel says is going to happen to Mary. That God, the power of the Most High, is going to overshadow her. And the Son of God is going to be birthed in her. So this was not Mary is not pregnant one moment and then she's pregnant the next. It's the power of the Most High overshadows her. That same power that shook a mountain is now going to conceive in her the Son of God. And you have to wonder as that was happening, what was happening in the heavens in those moments? What was shaking there? What was going on in, 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 in the, those places that we don't see, right? This, this heavenly spiritual shaking was going on as Jesus was going from heaven and coming down and becoming man. And the, and the power of the Most High God went from heaven and now was there in that moment on earth, birthed in this virgin girl in Nazareth. That is power. That is incredible. And you know why? You know why he did it? For you. And he did it for me. And he did it for all of us. All that we're reading right here, everything that transpired all those years ago is for every single one of us. So we can sit here and we can worship the Lord and we can pray to him. Because he allowed his power to come down and be conceived in this young girl. Verse 37 says, for the word of God will never fail. All this happened because God said so, and the word of God never fails. 
And I want to, I want to say this this morning to someone in here. The word of God is not going to fail you. The word of God is not going to fail you. If God can do this in this moment, in this way, in this fashion for us, he will not fail you. You're not a failure. You're not going to fail. God has you. All right, you hear me? Mary responds in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. A couple things in this verse. This is a radical verse. This is a radical response to what has just been told to her. Because as she says, I am the Lord's servant, what she's really saying is that I am what's called a bond slave. Right? And a bond slave is someone who voluntarily allows himself to become a slave. Right? Not someone that, that is sold into slavery, but says, I will be a slave. And that, in essence, is what Mary is saying right here as she says, I am the Lord's servant, because she knows what is going to happen to her. In the, in the time of life that Mary is in right here, she is betrothed to Joseph. That means that, I guess, the closest thing today would be she's engaged to him. But really, it was much more than that. If you wanted to not be betrothed to someone, you had to get a divorce. It wasn't like today where you can just walk out of an engagement. You get the ring back and go on your way. It was much more than that. And if you broke that covenant, that betrothal um, partnership with the other person, whether it was especially through adultery, which is what this looks like, you can be stoned to death. And so Mary, by saying, I am the Lord's servant, is saying, I am giving up everything for you, God. I'm giving up my reputation. I'm going to give up my marriage more than likely because I'm going to be, you know, disowned by this other family. My, my own family might disown me. But because you have said so, I'm in. Are we willing to do that for the Lord? Are we willing to take that stand in whatever God has called us to in this world that we live in now that so desperately needs us to take that stand? Are we willing to say, Lord, I'm your servant. I'm your servant and I'm here. Lead me whichever way you need me to go. I'll risk reputation. I'll risk friendships. If you have called me, I will go. And I know that's true for Beaches Chapel. We're going. We're going. And then it says this, right at the end, this little snippet. After she responds this way, it says, and then the angel left her. So there's this huge moment, right, in this room. Gabriel is there. He's prophesying over her what's going to happen, talking about Jesus and the power of the Most High is going to come on her. She says, oh, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm, I'm in. Silence. Right. Boop, gone. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Sound familiar? Yeah. To any of us? Like, yes, Lord, I'm in. Let's do it. Where'd everybody go? I don't understand what's happening. It's, 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 she, he's gone. Not, all right, Mary, thank you so much. I'll make sure to tell the big guy upstairs. Here's what's going to happen. Here's the plan. Oh. No, there's none of that. I'm in. Gone. Could have easily changed her mind. Could have easily said, no, I'm out, actually. You, can you come back? Can you tell me what I'm supposed to do here with this? She doesn't. Instead, she's proactive. 
And verse 39 says, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So upon Mary coming into Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. John, in Elizabeth's womb, jumps. Something is going on here. And I love that Mary went. I love that she wasn't just sitting there going, I'm looking for something like... Gabriel mentions Elizabeth when talking to her. So her response is, I'm going to go to Elizabeth. I'm going to go do something here. I'm not just going to sit here and twiddle my thumbs and then let fear and doubt and maybe I just had a bad slice of pizza or whatever start to come into my brain. I'm going and I'm going to look for that confirming word. And she does that. She seeks it out. Verse 42, it says, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Listen to this, y'all. This is huge right here. Verse 45. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. You are blessed. Why? Because you believed. Not because you did this or did that or the other. Because you believed. You chose to believe that what God says is true and that he's not a liar. And that when Gabriel said, don't be afraid, you chose not to be afraid, even though every single thing in the world should tell you to be afraid. Even though everything that you're about to go through should cause fear, you're doing it anyway. Even though the moment you said, yes, Gabriel was gone, you believed. You believed. And whether you have a notepad out this morning or you have your phone out, if you're taking any sort of notes, or even if you're not, start right now. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you believing that God will do what he said he'd do? That was supposed to be rhetorical, but I'll take it. Yeah. For some of us, yes, amen. For some of us, I don't know. And it's... it's, it's, it's It's hard because there is no timetable many times and God speaks something to you, speaks something over you or maybe it was a while ago and for some time you believed what God said over you but as time kept going, maybe it wasn't even doubt, maybe you just kind of forgot or you just gave up and moved on to something else and so I want to ask you this question again this morning, are you believing? Are you believing over your children that aren't walking with the Lord right now? Are you believing over your health? Are you believing over your finances or your marriage? Are you believing over whatever it is that you are walking through right now that God has said something to you? Have you lost that belief? Or are you clinging to it no matter what the world says about it? Because if we start looking to the world and what it says our situation is like, we're going to stop believing. And we're going to give up. And that's exactly what Mary would have done. But she was fixated on the Lord and understanding that the word of God never fails and that he's not a liar and that we don't need to be afraid. Even though you might be walking through the hardest thing you have ever walked through in your life, just like Mary was about to do. 
I tell my Bible class this all the time when we go over this story. There was no, you know, TVs back then or movie theaters or entertainment of any kind, really. What got people going, their, their Twitter was whispers and gossip. And so Mary walking through down the street, pregnant, for all of her pregnancy and probably afterwards. And here's what she could have said. No, 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 y'all, y'all check this out. It's all good. I didn't commit adultery. The Holy Spirit impregnated me. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. You keep saying that, Mary. She couldn't, right? She had to take what was ever given to her. Whatever lies and whispers were said about her, however she was ostracized from her circle of friends because they didn't want to be associated with her. She continued to believe what God said, that she was going to give birth to the Son of the Most High God whose kingdom would never end. And that is worth it. That is worth the whispers. That is worth the rejection. So what are you believing in? What are you believing for? What has God spoken over you? And are you still believing in that today? And I pray this morning that if you haven't been believing in it, that you would begin again today. That you would return to that and be reminded that we serve a powerful God whose presence shakes mountains and creates his son. And you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to doubt. He has you. So get back to believing in the things that he said over your life. And have the band come up and we're going to close this morning with some worship. But I want to read really quickly just Joseph's take in all this. Out of Matthew chapter 1, it's just six verses. It says, this is, uh, verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. There it is again. To take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And lastly, this final verse, verse 24. When Joseph woke up, here it is, y'all. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. So Joseph's reputation was on the line as well. He was about to marry a girl who was pregnant, and it wasn't his. And he was going to protect her and walk with her and say, your reputation is ruined, so is mine. And that's okay, because we have bigger fish to fry. God has sent us on a mission, and he obeyed. Listen, y'all. God's not looking out for the fancy, the educated, the this or that. He's looking for those that will obey, that will say, here I am, Lord, send me. Just like Jesus did. Here I am, God, right next to you in heaven. Send me down there. I'll take on flesh and all that comes with it. I'll take the rejection, the hurt, the spiritual and emotional pain along with the physical. Send me. 
In my humility, God, send me. But I also know, God, that the power is with me as well. And so as we raise our hands to God and say, send me, Lord, I'll do it. You've commanded me to do. As we take that approach of humility with God, know that the power comes with it and know that the word of God never fails. The word of God never fails. And you can believe, y'all. You are allowed to believe the great things that God has for you. The healing that he wants to do in your life and whatever that looks like. So that we can have more testimonies up here like Kyle's. I want every Sunday to be a cry fest. I want every Sunday for us to be glorifying the Lord and his power. But it takes us taking that step and believing what he said over us. So return to that this morning if that's you. Let's stand up and we're going to worship. Father, I thank you so much, Jesus, for your power that you have. Lord, let us not lose sight of that. In this season especially, Lord, where we can get lost in it. That we would remember that the power that overshadowed Mary shook a mountain, God. Lord, that your word never fails. And that you sent Jesus to have a kingdom that would never end. And we get to be a part of that, Lord. We get to be a part of that kingdom. If we just say yes. And I just want to say this morning, if you've been on that fence of saying yes to surrendering your life to Jesus is that time. All he's asking for you to do is to believe. That's it. You can do it right now. Just say, Lord, I believe. I'm taking this step with you.